Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Thanks so much, everybody. So hi, my name is Oliver Chen. I'm Callan's retail and luxury analyst. Today, we'll discuss the future of retail and live streaming. I'm pleased to be joined by Mike George, president and CEO of Curate Retail, as well as Jeff Davis, the CFO of Curate Retail. Curate Retail Inc.'s principal businesses include QVC, Zulily, and the Home Shopping Network, and it operates in North America, Europe, and Asia. We view Curate as a pioneer in live streaming and virtual shopping, which have been key communication methods during COVID-19. Mike's also chairman of the National Retail Federation Board of Directors. He serves on the board of directors of Curate Retail, Ralph Lauren, and the National Constitution Center. Thank you, Mike, for your time. It's great to have you here with us. So Mike, there's a new golden age. Uh, Curate's really at the nexus of retail, media, and e-commerce. What is Curate and how have you been reinventing curation? Well, it's great to be with you, uh, Oliver. And it is a, it's a really unique and exciting time for us because all the things we've been trying to build towards over the last several years are now starting to come together in ways that we think are really exciting, not just for the current results, but for the long-term uh, outlook on our business. You know, the reason we named our company uh, Curate is that we've always been a company that is about curation. In, in a world of uh, commoditized offerings, broad e-commerce catalogs, what we always stood for is this highly curated uh, selection of unique products that would encourage discovery, uh, incite passion and energy from our uh, viewers and uh, visitors, products that had unique stories to tell. Uh, that's still true, but today we combine that with uh, this really curated set of platforms we operate from the traditional you know, linear live TV model that we pioneered a few decades ago to all forms of digital uh, distribution. So our company today is about uh, highly curated and compelling products distributed over a curated network, a, a digital network uh, with curated content based on what's most relevant to that network, whether that network is uh, YouTube or live TV or Facebook, or pick your example of ways in which folks uh, consume video content uh, today. So we're about curation, curation of product content, distribution and communities. And around that, we build these really exciting and engaged um, consumers who come back every day to check out what's going on in the network. Mike, in many ways, QVC is the original of many different things. Could you talk about that? What does it mean to you today? And what are you really excited about? Um, some of the foundations of your business relate to influencers. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fun topic for us because, you know, when we think about what we've tried to build and invent over the years. It, it's fascinating how they're all coming around in new and interesting ways in today's environment. So obviously we were the first uh, meaningful player to really uh, do live shopping. Uh, obviously we did it over uh, television platforms because what was new when we started 40 years ago was cable. Cable was the new thing. And we were able to take advantage of 
cable distribution to build out uh, these uh, live TV networks of shopping. Um, uh, we remain the leader in live shopping, but now that live shopping is manifested, as I was mentioning, over all these other digital uh, platforms. But we really started live stream shopping and are excited to champion it into this uh, new era we're in. But you also mentioned influencers. We like to think about ourselves as the first influencer model because in the original QVC model, our hosts, um, the amazing guests and personalities that would come on air from uh, celebrities to entrepreneurs to inventors, uh, these were influencers. These were folks who helped guide you and give you advice and perspective and understanding to make informed purchase decisions. Uh, today, we complement that by partnering with uh, YouTube influencers and, and others that have built big social following so we can tell their stories as well. But that influencer model that everyone talks about today is kind of in our DNA. You know, another area where we, um, where the sort of the inventor innovator is buy now, pay later. You know, we started that buy now, pay later model a few decades ago. Uh, in our platform, it's called Easy Pay. And as you know, one of the hottest retail trends out there right now is uh, all these folks offering these buy now, pay later models. We can do it with, we have deep expertise, good systems, and we do it in a much more efficient manner than most of the players out there. But, you know, I think all of those um, attributes of our business are more relevant than ever. And again, it's, it's what gets us so excited about the future of this, uh, of this business. Mike, also, what happened uh, with respect to the pandemic and how did your business fare and what strategies did you change or solidify? You know, our, our, our business results were very strong uh, through the pandemic. Uh, we saw enormous growth in new customers, new customers up probably uh, over the full 12 months, the last 12 months of the pandemic, new customers were up probably 35% uh, across the company. Um, a huge growth in our home businesses, uh, electronics. Uh, so a really strong response from consumers, good top line growth. Uh, and, and I think all of that reflected a couple of things. It certainly reflected the reality of a stay at home environment, right? People were spending more time at home. They weren't comfortable going to the store. And so we saw this huge surge in online shopping across the industry. And we also saw this huge surge in folks doing video streaming of all flavors to try to keep themselves entertained at home. Uh, so we were the sort of beneficiaries of those trends. Uh, we could be there for her, uh, present on uh, TV, but also present on all these digital platforms, uh, traditional e-commerce offerings in addition to video commerce offerings, and this wide range of products that we could flex fairly quickly to what was most important to her in the moment. And in those first few months of the pandemic, she cared about food, she cared about making her environment more productive, more safe. We we're able to pivot our offerings to those kinds of products, tell those curated stories in a meaningful way. And all that enabled us to get this kind of outsized growth. Uh, but the, the point I guess I'd make though is it took many years of effort to get to that point. Uh, so while we uh, benefited from some of these stay-at-home dynamics, um, we benefited only because we built out the digital platform. We built out the agility in the business model. We built out the marketing capabilities to really take advantage 
uh, of the moment. And all credit to our team for being able to respond and adjust to what was happening in that environment and uh, deliver some pretty compelling stories for our customers and, and results for the, for the company. So Jeff, what, what have you noticed in terms of your, your customers and, and the cohort behavior of a lot of the new customers you've acquired? Yeah, a lot of the, the new customers when we've been acquiring, uh, not only through the pandemic period, but now post-pandemic, um, very much resemble the customers from a pre-pandemic uh, period. Uh, with respect to um, age demographic, um, they are coming in um, to us, let's say, uh, still through um, our digital platforms. Um, and, and that is something that uh, Mike has mentioned earlier that we, we've been developing not only the opportunity to continue attracting customers through our uh, video linear platforms, but through our digital platforms. Um, that customer is coming to us. Um, you know, we, we have a blend of marketing programs. So we're still gaining that customer about 60% organically and about 40% through performance marketing. So that is something that while we've been leaning into marketing a little more over the last uh, periods, uh, while we've been ratcheting that up, it has not you know, substantially shifted. We're still driving you know, the vast majority of that, uh, that new customer growth organically. Thanks for that, Jeff. Mike, what are your thoughts on different brands that you work with and why do brands like to partner with QVC and HSN? You know, we work with this, this really interesting and broad range of brands. And Jeff mentioned this briefly, but you know, in some categories, apparel would be a good example. We largely work with proprietary offerings. We'll partner with leading stylists, leading designers, leading influencers, from Isaac Mizrahi to um, uh, logo by Lori Goldstein to uh, an influencer like Hunter McGrady and, and really build a product line and build a story around uh, those personalities. But it's exclusive to us. It's only available on QVC and we'd have a similar set of proprietary offerings on HSN as well. But in a category like beauty, we would take a different approach. And beauty, what we love to do is find the next great indie brand and tell the story of that cool brand, why it matters, how to use it, and kind of tell that story. And over a long period of time, we've helped build some of the largest beauty, prestige beauty brands out there, but they started small, came onto our network and uh, told uh, their story in a, in a special way. In home, it can be anything from proprietary offerings in gardening to leading national brand kitchen electrics, but where we'll have exclusive offers, exclusive colors, exclusive new launches to, to provide. So the, the common thread is it's, 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 it's product that has compelling stories to tell. There's some degree of exclusivity uh, to us that uh, creates a reason to come to QVC or, or uh, HSN. But, but beyond that, this really wide range of types of brands we partner with. What would you say um, experiential retail, you know, means to you and curate and what will that mean next? And how do you uh, form trust, you know, in, in long-term relationships with your customers? Yeah, you know, I think we're in this really interesting period where technology enables us to do so much. So it enables us to create these virtual experiences to match the physical experience. So the way we think about it is we've always been about creating this really multi-dimensional experience. Um, it used to be kind of a lean back experience. You'd, you'd 
be flipping the channels and you would discover us on TV. Now it's a lean in experience where you can hunt for your favorite um, experiences through our interactive apps. You can transact through an interactive app. You can engage in a social conversation about the product with, with the inventor, with the designer, uh, with your fellow shoppers in your community. So for us, it's all about creating this dynamic virtual experience that really replicates all the best parts of what you know, we typically would view as great shopping in the physical world, which is to say, you come into a cool boutique, you discover stuff you'd never heard about before, you have a wonderful customer service person there who can, who can energize you, tell you stories about these products, help you understand how they fit in your life. Those are all, all the things we're trying to do, just leveraging what's available with technology to do that in these highly virtual and interactive ways. It all comes down to the point you made, which is all those things have to lead to trust and relationships. Because what we want to do is not get you to buy something today, that's fine, but what we really want you to do is to say there's something interesting going on in this community and I wanna come back and check it out. Uh, I wanna see what's on tomorrow. I wanna see what I can learn. Um, and I want to know that as I do that, your, your, your representatives are trustworthy, your products are of good quality, your pricing is uh, meaningfully better than what's available in the marketplace. All those uh, cues that signal trust and, and relationship. And, you know, when we think about our best customers, which represent about 70% of our sales, they visit our websites 36 times a month, 36 times a month. They visit our TV programming 19 times a month. So that to us is about relationship, trust, coming back for this engaging virtual experience and becoming a customer for life. Another key theme we're focused on at Cow and Mike is community and what community means to retail and also how great companies form communities. So what will you do um, with community as you really have passionate customers? Yeah, for us, you know, community is another one of those areas where I think we were kind of the, the original of, I'd like to think, because in the early days of our business, we talked a lot about this philosophy we call, we call the backyard fence. And I'm now going back 30 years ago, but it was a simple idea that says, you know, shopping on a QVC should be like shopping with a friend or it should be like talking to a neighbor over our backyard fence. It's about a relationship. It's about trust. It's about casual conversation. It's about inspiring each other with your uh, discoveries. That's community has to start with that relationship and then it builds from there. So we wanna start with that relationship. And then we wanna connect you to a broader community of folks with similar interests and passions. And if you're a gardener, then your community is gonna look different than if you're a foodie or someone who's into fashion or into beauty. And so what social enables us to do today is to construct these communities that are relevant to you, to your interests, to your passions. And whether it's a, a Facebook community or a dedicated YouTube channel um, or, or a, an Instagram story with your favorite beauty vendor, it's all about tailor that experience to the community of folks that you're interested in who can share tips and ideas uh, with you. And we're, we're piloting cool new apps. We have a cool new app we're piloting in our, uh, in our uh, UK market uh, where customers are doing their own video-based reviews that they're live streaming to folks within their approved community. 
So again, just another way to sort of make that experience more of a 360 experience all around reinforcing community. Well, Mike and Jeff, what should we think about uh, when we do think about live streaming? What is the future of live streaming and how might this manifest, you know, in the U.S. relative to other international markets? Well, I think that the, it's, I think it's still early days to see exactly how this industry is going to evolve. I do think it'll look different than in the East. You know, in the East, what you've seen is a few big players that have these monstrous platforms. Um, filling a void and a gap and drawing these big audiences. They tend to be a little bit more personality-based models. The economics are a little bit challenging and they're very much dependent on one or two big scale players to provide the viewers and the platform to aggregate large audiences. The challenge that I think players in the West are finding and that we have certainly learned over the years is a very fragmented series of ways in which people consume video content. You know, Live TV still matters, but there are hundreds of channels, and many different kinds of providers of live TV, uh, and then all these different digital and social uh, platforms. And so uh, for us to win in live streaming, you have to figure out how can you efficiently aggregate a very large audience? Because you do need a very large audience to get a fraction of them to convert to purchasers. Uh, we've built that out over the years. I think it remains a little bit to be seen how others will find efficient ways to build out that digital ecosystem and aggregate uh, large audiences. And then I think the second challenge for the industry will be that that theme of relationships and trust that we were talking about. Again, our model works because you're coming back every day and you're building that relationship. A lot of live streaming today is a little bit more kind of one and done. The brand may want to get out their brand story. And so they might do their own live stream on their brand website, or they might partner with a startup and do a live stream to promote a new product launch. But none of that is building this repetitive behavior where I'm interested in getting to know you, your personalities, what you as a company are offering, and I'm going to be engaging with you uh, over time. And so I think cracking that relationship code, that frequency code, getting people to come back and check out what you're doing. I think that's along with the distribution challenge or the, maybe a couple of the bigger issues that we'll just have to see how live streaming uh, evolves. Jeff, um, Curate's done a great job managing marketing spend. Um, what do you see ahead in terms of marketing spend priorities and how you'll balance that? And as you look at you know, new social platforms as well to acquire customers? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really important that, you know, over the years we have continued to uh, increase our overall marketing spend. And, you know, our, our marketing spend today is you know, still less than two and a half percent of net revenue. So, you know, still, still room to continue to expand marketing where um, we believe it, it continues to uh, meet our return thresholds. But, you know, we're in a unique period where we've built a lot of new customers. It's important that we continue to engage them, re-engage them, continue to expand uh, with them. Um, it's important that we continue to our, what we call our avid and elite customers. Those customers that are maybe our, what we call our best customers, which are purchasing more than 20 times a year with us, that we continue to re-engage her as she starts to rebound her uh, her spend, if you will, um, as, as fashion, for example, comes back to us. Um, we have some rotation out of home. 
And as you had mentioned, you know, as we continue to look at other digital platforms, how we engage that customer on these different digital platforms in ways that uh, brings her either back into um, our uh, more traditional uh, video feed or, you know, through the apps or through other uh, social means that we continue to engage her where she is, make sure she is uh, continuing to build that relationship that Mike has mentioned. And we can do, do that through a number of different uh, channels. And, and that's what we continue to experiment with um, in order to be more effective. So we take all that into account, if you will, as we think about not only driving that customer engagement, driving that share of wallet, but also ensuring that um, we keep uses our guardrails, our, our return metrics. Micah, a really important topic for us at Cowan is also sustainability. Um, what are you seeing in terms of what customers want in terms of sustainability and also what are your major priorities as you think about your supply chain more broadly we have a number of, of priorities in, in in that area you know and rather than try to take a cue from our customers certainly what the customer wants is important but we really start with what do we think we need to do to be a leader what what, what does our team have passion for and we know that will ultimately align with what the customer most cares about. Um, and so, you know, there's a few things where we have a, as, as most companies do, we have a very important corporate responsibility mission, which has three pillars to it, uh, protect our environment, curate product responsibly, uh, and champion empowerment and belonging. And if I focus on the sustainability topic around, uh, around the environment, it's kind of all the things you would expect. We've made public commitments around greenhouse gas uh, reduction, emission reduction, uh, public commitments around waste reduction uh, in our own facilities, but then also how do we enable uh, the consumer to recycle in a more uh, convenient and, and easy to understand way, how to have more sustainable package, packaging that has a lower carbon uh, footprint. So for us, it's just, you know, examining kind of end-to-end -end everything we do within our four walls, but then also in getting the product to the customer and how the customer receives it and uses it. And I think we're in early innings. There's just so much in, in front of us, but, but a, lot of, uh, a lot of passion for it. Mm -hmm. And then on that other pillar of curating product responsibly, there we think about sustainable materials. Uh, how do we continue to increase our use of sustainable materials in addition to the other things that are important in terms of um, the high integrity supply chain, protecting human rights uh, through the supply chain. As you know, it is a vast distributed supply chain filled with lots of little players. And we need as, as, uh, as, uh, uh, as, as an industry and as leaders in this industry to make sure we're looking from original source product and the working conditions in that factory to ultimately the consumer receiving it. And how do we do it in a way that has human integrity, social integrity, sustainability uh, throughout that pipeline? Thank you. Um, another important topic is um, you really sit at uh, the nexus of, of retail media and e-commerce. So who are your competitors and how do you frame competition in the context of uh, these different factors we've been discussing? It's an interesting question for us because it's so hard to peg a, um, a competitor because the business is unique. It is at this unique intersection. 
um, we find that we typically are drawing share um, from lots of different kinds of competitors, uh, from e-commerce player, from pure play e-commerce players to traditional brick and mortar. Um, and, and so we tend to actually think a little bit less about competition and more about that theme you were raising of experience. What's the experience we're trying to provide? Why do our customers have passion about it? And if we can continue to lean into that experience, we know we'll kind of draw share from uh, lots of different players. You know, our customers are very diverse, but one thing they have in common is they're very avid shoppers, not surprisingly, and they shop lots of places. So we know that they're gonna be shopping Amazon and we know they're gonna be shopping Saks and we know they're gonna be shopping Williams-Sonoma. And so depending on what product we're offering, what story we're telling, we're gonna source share from different players. And, and, and because of all that, we just try to stay centered on what's our experience. Let's worry a little less about what the competition is doing. And then we think we'll win over time. Mike, what would you say is least well understood about Curate? And what are your uh, core competencies slash barriers to entry? It is super hard to say what's least well understood because I think it's generally, spe generally speaking a, a low understood business. You know, I just think there's a lot that folks don't quite appreciate depending on, on where you sit. The things maybe I would stress as, as things that always surprise folks you know, when you talk about the range and quality of our product offerings and the level of value we provide, it's always surprising to folks. But what really surprises people is the unbelievable loyalty stickiness of our customers. Uh, those best customers make almost 70 purchases a year. But more important than all that is the fact that we are replenishing those best customers every year at equal or better rates. So there can be a perception some folks have that this is a model of the past, but the reality is we're bringing in, and long before the pandemic started, so many new customers, and every year those new customers uh, act in that highly sticky, highly loyal way. And the result of it then are these extraordinary economics that Jeff was touching on. When you have a customer that's that loyal, that sticks with you, and you can continue to bring them in at the rate we bring them in, mm -hmm. um, then the sort of financial model takes care of itself. And so then I, I think the investor is usually shocked by, you know, a company that generates 2.4, 2.5 billion of OIBITA with the, you know, 50% plus free cash flow conversion and does it kind of year in, year out. So depending on where you sit, uh, you're either surprised by what we offer, or you're surprised by how the consumer responds to it, or you're surprised by the sort of financial model that, uh, that underpins it. Jeff, how would you um, contrast Curate relative to um, your prior experiences in retail and how Curate thinks about a return of capital to shareholders as well? You know, if I, rather than thinking about how, how to contrast it, I just would like to maybe focus on what we do from a standpoint of, um, as, as Mike has mentioned, having such a, a high conversion of OIBITA into free cash flow, that gives us a lot of optionality. Um, so after we've already reinvested in growth in the business, having a business that is um, relatively low levered, um, we, we are less than two and a half times levered and uh, it gives us an opportunity to um, 
think about returning capital back to shareholders in the form of either share repurchase, possibly special dividends. Um, we also look at from a, li a broader liability management perspective um, in that um, while our leverage um, is, is relatively low, we, we do have some deferred tax liabilities associated with the exchangeables and being able to take a look at different opportunities to invest in some high yielding assets to uh, be in position to defease those liabilities as they may grow and come due is, is another option for us. So, you know, we, we like the idea of being able to consistently uh, deliver on the uh, free cash flow conversion and uh, from OIBITA and then ultimately um, being able to return, you know, a, a large portion of that back to shareholders. Thank you. Um, Mike, in, in closing, uh, which growth prospects are you most excited about? And Mike, which part of this job do you enjoy the most? Uh, in, terms of, in terms of growth prospects, uh, I would just highlight this theme of trying to manifest our experience in increasingly tailored ways across this broad range of digital distribution platforms. We think that starts to open up whole new possibilities for us in, in consumers that might have felt that our business was not for them to now discover us in new places, in new ways, with new kinds of, of content. Uh, so we're in this high experimentation mode um, because none of us knows exactly how this industry will evolve. But if we can be present, provide her with new kinds of experiences and then keep adjusting, we know that gives us lots of growth. So we're energized by that. You know, what, what I love about the job is, is really two things, passionate customers and passionate team members. I could tell you so many stories that I won't try to bore you with. I'm just encountering customers and how meaningful the experiences are that they have with the, with the brand, uh, how it's an important part of, of their life, how we've helped them in some way to have special moments. And, you know, running into those customers, whether it's in the context of a focus group or, you know, at a dinner party is incredibly motivating. And then we just have the most remarkable team, the, the passion they have for what we do, for the mission and purpose of our company. Um, that willingness to devote that extra measure of effort uh, to whatever we need to do to serve the customer well. We saw it so beautifully on display during the pandemic where you know, we all had to uh, get out of the offices, work from home, keep each other safe, um, but still find ways to collaborate, create, and deliver for the customer. Uh, hugely motivating and a really extraordinary group of people that I've had the honor of uh, working with. It's been great hosting you, uh, Mike George and Jeff Davis, curates at the center of video commerce and uh, creating a, a really unique ecosystem that unites customers, trust and unique brands and content. Um, and clearly you've been innovating. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Oliver. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.